1: Not here last week? Can I encourage you? Download the podcast. In fact, if you're here last week, I guarantee you there was stuff you missed. We always do. We hear what we need to hear at that point, because the Holy Spirit says, "Hey, wake up, <laughs> listen to the message. This is for you." And then you listen to it again. Holy Spirit says, "I got something different for you." Okay, use the word. Listen to it. Let it let it marinate in your spirit, because the Bible says about God's word, it is truth. It is life. And that's what we're talking about. What's your relationship with truth? Because if you don't understand this, you need to get this really, really quickly. Your reality, what you believe is truth, shapes your future. You can do this. Write this down. Your reality shapes your future. Your reality shapes your future. Think about this for a moment. What if your reality is wrong? What if your reality is flawed? I put it to you that because of the life that you have lived and the way that you have been raised with imperfect fathers and imperfect mothers, some of you don't have a father or mother to talk about. Some of you never had a dad growing up in the home. Some of you never had a mom growing up in the home. Some of you grew up in the foster system. Some of you grew up in other ways that are unimaginable. And so what you see about life is always going to be flawed. Your culture puts these glasses on you that will affect what truth really is. I could show you a glass, and I could fill it up exactly halfway, and I'll guarantee some of you will say the glass is half empty. Oh, you naysayers, all you haters. People like me will look at that glass and say it's half full. (laughs) But both are actually correct. But it affects how you feel about what you see. For some, they are, never, they are never fulfilled. Life will always be short because the glass is always half full. For others, you are living in an abundance and overflow, so half empty. But those of you where it's half full, you, you just like, you're just so happy about life. You know, God is just so good. The devil can throw things your way, and you're his worst nightmare because you're like, praise the Lord, this is awesome. He says, I don't think I did it hard enough. I just need to hit him a little bit harder. Praise the Lord. And eventually the enemy will give up. Your reality, your truth, shapes your future. That's why truth is so important. That's why you come into the house of God every Sunday. Some of you are inconsistent. On Sundays, no judgment at all. Love you. Don't look at the person next to you. Just look at me. Because the Holy Spirit is doing microsurgery every single time you enter the presence of God. Whether it's on a Sunday service or like us in this church, we're a church of connect groups. If you are not in a small group, which is what we call a connect group, you're not fully in the life of the church. And that's why you'll be disappointed with me because I'm not feeling the love from the pastor. It doesn't come from me. It's your connect group leader and your connect group that will love you. So some of you need to start committing, saying, I need to do this. Some of you need to lead a group. Come and talk to me. Amen. Amen. Everyone okay so far? No haters? Good, good. Well, I'll keep going. No stones in the building, is there, Craig? We, We emptied them out? Okay, just checking. Well, good. I'll keep going then. All right. It's not simply about speaking the truth that matters in your Christian journey as a follower of Jesus. It's not just about speaking truth. It's about how you perceive the truth. And that's why the Bible teaches us life and death is in the power of the tongue. You can live by it or you can die by it. Who has the greatest voice in your life? Is it those TV shows that you know deep down inside your heart is compromising the very gospel that you profess and believe in? Or are you listening to truth? Are you watching podcasts? Are you speaking to the men of God and the women of God and immersing yourself in that word? Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Another translation renders it this way. Out of the abundance of the heart, guard your heart, because out of it flow the issues of life. If you are receiving lies into your life over and over, day after day, what's going to come out of your mouth, what's going to come out of your life is the lies. But you think it's truth because that's your reality. And last week we talked about this. We live in a world today. It's a post-Christian society, post-modern world, where truth is no longer an absolute according to the world. According to the word, it is absolute. That's why we need to know what truth is. Because the world will tell you today, what you believe forms your truth. But we are so easily deceived. Jesus said, above all else, guard your heart. Out of it flow the issues of life, because the heart can be easily deceived. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things. So don't go by your feelings. Go by truth. We are already living in days where truth is distorted and will be distorted further. Now, if you, in this church for any length of time, you know I'm a teacher of the Word. We've got a lot of teachers here. I want you to open your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 to 12. If you forgot your Bible, but you brought a smart device, redeem it now. Open up Chrome or Safari, whatever you got, and just type in there 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 9 to 12. 2 Thessalonians 2. Verses 9 to 12. It's very important when you come into the house of God in this church that you're taking notes because I want you to check what I say. Don't just take it for what I'm saying because it will go deeper when you begin to question the word. Make sure I'm preaching it right. Okay? I hope I'm challenging you. Some people, you know, gets... 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 9 to 12. We are living in last days where the truth is becoming so blurred, it's really hard to know what actually is truth anymore. Follow with me as we read. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan, displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders. There's going to come a time, where you're going to hear about all kinds of miracles, signs, and wonders, immediately thinking that is a woman of God. That is a man of God. No, you've got to question it based on the Word of God. Does it align with the Word? If it doesn't, we've got a problem. The Word is the absolute truth. If it deviates from the truth, it's either a lie or a half truth. Get to the truth. Verse 10 And in, they're going kind to of counterfeit miracles, signs, wonders, and in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refused to love the truth and so be saved. In other words, salvation comes from living the truth. You will perish if you try and deviate or walk away from the truth. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie. Oh my goodness. Did you just read that? God will send you a delusion. If you have a tendency to believe half-truths and lies, God will actually give you over to a powerful delusion so that you will believe the lie. The Bible says that in the last days, there will be a great turning away. If you want to know my heart as a pastor leading this church, I believe we're about to enter into the last days. Now, personal philosophy, if you're wondering, I'm not the last day's preacher, It's going to be banging the drum. You are living in the last days, because Paul the, sorry, Peter the Apostle preached 2,000 years ago, right? This is that spoken by the prophet Joel that in the last days I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. This is when they're praying speaking in tongues and prophesying in languages other than English, uh, sorry, other than Hebrew. And now how can these people speak and hes saying to them, "We're living in last days." 2,000 years ago. So I believe we're closer to the last days than ever before. If you want to know Pardidi theology, (laughs) Pardidi theory, it's just me, okay? It's just me. I I believe that God follows a Jewish calendar. We're in the Jewish calendar of the year, 5780. The Bible talks about that a thousand years is like a day unto the Lord, and that there will come a coming return of Jesus Well, he will Usher in the millennium reign of Christ, millennium as in 1,000-year reign of Christ. 1,000 years is like a day. So when he comes, it will be a time of rest, the seventh day. So we are right now in the sixth day. We are approaching the last days. So the the year 5780, I believe Jesus will return in the year 5993. The problem is those years could be wrong. We might have got the calendar wrong. So it could be, it could be 5,900 and, uh, I don't know, 90. We don't know, okay? All I know is Jewish calendar right now, 5780. It may not be in your time. But Paul, sorry, Peter the Apostle said, you are already living in the last days. You don't know if you're going to live tomorrow. You act like it. We dream like we can live forever. And then you get sideswiped by car. You get hit with cancer. I've seen this too many times over beloved people in the church having to do their funerals, that we need to be aware. Don't wait for funerals to start being aware that your mortality, your life may be required of you tomorrow. Get your life right now. You're living in last days now for you. Can I keep going? They perish because they refuse to love the truth and to be saved. For this reason, God sends them. God sends them a powerful delusion so they believe the lie. And so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. So I was trying to tell you more and more deception is coming and it will threaten to turn you away from God. I began by sharing with you last week that we've got several key people of faith, pastors and leaders who have fallen away from the Lord, who are now atheists. It's just crazy. Lots of them. Michael Gungor and uh, Marty Samson. You know, do you remember Guy Sebastian? God bless him. Pray for the guy. Guy Sebastian, he's not with the Lord. He was a Christian. He was going to Planet Shaker's church. The pastor kept calling him every night, You know, checking on him, praying for him. Eventually, he cut off all ties with his pastor, cut off all ties with the church, and fell away from the Lord because he was not keeping himself in truth. He pulled himself out. Here's an interesting thought. Uh, You probably heard this before. uh, Joseph Goebbels, Dr. Paul Joseph Goebbels was Adolf Hitler's propaganda minister. He's credited with saying, if you tell a lie enough and you repeat it, people will believe it. It actually comes from his leader, Hitler. In his book, Mein Kampf, My Struggle, Hitler writes, but the most brilliant Propagandist technique will yield no success unless one fundamental principle is borne in mind constantly and with unflagging attention. It must confine itself to a few points and repeat them over and over. Here, as so often in this world, persistence is the first and most important requirement for success. In other words, he's saying, if you repeat a lie, try not to be too, don't say too many lies, just keep it to a few, that you can speak over and over and over and over, you get the point, and over and over, global warming, global warming, global warming, climate change, climate change. I did an experiment with uh, some of my students, and I said, so these Political theorists are saying that we're, we're, you know, we've got a problem with global warming right now and that the, the major ice caps of the world will melt and it will cause the water level to rise and there'll be severe flooding worldwide. Would you like to prove the theory? And all the kids are like, yeah. Have you got ice cubes in the house? Yeah. Okay, I want you to fill a glass completely with ice cubes, okay? And I want you to come over just a little bit over the glass. Now I want you to pour some water just under because you know it's going to, you know, what do you think? Oh, yeah, it's going to melt and pour over. Okay, so let's just pour the water just a little bit, like a centimeter below the glass. Now I want you to measure where the water is, okay? And now we're going to melt the ice. Let's do some global warming. Put it in the microwave. And so they put it in there for a minute. depends on the microwave, sometimes a minute and a half until it's fully melted. Now get your glass. Did it pour over? No. What's the measurement? It's the same. Funny, isn't that? But there was so much ice. I said, okay, have any of you ever tried to freeze your soda? It was warm. You got a party going on, right? Or just for you and you put the can in the in the freezer and you f- forgot to pull it out of the freezer. What happened to the can? It ex- explodes, right? It expands and explodes in, oftentimes, right? Because liquid, <laughs> li- you know, so water... When it freezes, it will actually increase in size. It crystallizes, so it increases in size. So when it melts, do you understand? But global warming, global warming, global warming, global warming. Global... How many people believe global warming now that i said it? Do you understand the point? If you say and repeat a lie enough, people will believe it. Joseph Goebbels, Hitler, Adolf Hitler's propaganda minister for Nazi Germany, said this. If you tell a lie big enough and keep repeating it, People will eventually come to believe it. No, no, that's not a baby. It's just tissue. It's just tissue. It's tissue. It's tissue. It's just tissue. It's not a baby. It's tissue. You understand? The moment you say, no, it's a baby in the womb. It's a baby in the womb. It's a baby in the womb. All of a sudden, oh, it's not tissue. But these voices that control the airways, remember, Satan is the prince of the air. He's controlling the airways, and it's a constant lie. You know, it's just tissue. It's just tissue. Until it's born, it's a baby, but it's just a tissue. It's a fully born baby. In the first trimester, it can feel pain. It can turn in its sleep. It can show it's uncomfortable. Mamas, you know what I'm talking about. You know, that you know, baby's playing with your, your uh, bladder. Thank you so much. You know, I remember my wife all said, ah, that was you that did that to your mom. <laughs> she knows. If you tell a lie big enough, and keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. The lie can be maintained only for such a time as the state can shield the people from the political, economic, and or military consequences of the lie. I'll explain this in a moment, don't worry. It thus becomes vitally important for the state, the country, to use all its powers to repress dissent. For truth is a mortal enemy of the lie, and thus by extension, the truth is the greatest enemy of the state, Nazi Germany. We are actually adopting the tactics of Nazi Germany, the socialist propaganda, to try and convince you that sin is no longer sin. We have reached the day, if you're wondering about this, where you are now seen as the enemy. Christians were once seen as people, oh, you can trust him, he's a Christian. The world would say that. They may, they may not be Christians. They would trust you. They don't trust you now. They believe you have an agenda. They believe you are lying. This whole thing is a lie. And this whole thing about doing good, yeah, but you know, what about the abuse in the church and all that? Yeah, what about, you know, people are flawed. Absolutely. I'm not here to justify any of that. We have to hold them accountable. But it doesn't take away from the fact that the church established schools first. The church rescued these orphans of being discarded and put them in an orphanage. The church did these things, if you're wondering. The schools that your children attend now are because of the church. Why did the church do that? They were seeing these these whole um, uh, uh, villages that were in poverty, and they just all they knew was farming or other things. And when it didn't rain, there was no other way to bring income into the village. And so by educating the children, it gave them a chance to do something else other than what the parents are doing so that now we can bring other skills to begin to prosper the village. There was a reason behind it. God always blesses. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, it says, the God of this age, say Satan, the God of this age, Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Before I am to share the gospel with anybody, I am always praying, Heavenly Father, I pray right now. I bind the spirit of this age that would blind the mind of this unbeliever from seeing the light of the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, right now, release revelation. Spirit of God, come upon him and release the spirit of wisdom and revelation now. Then I preach because you have to get past the stronghold of an enemy that is actually lying to them and blinding them. Let me tell you right now, when you start to follow Jesus, okay, let's get real now. You've heard me preach this many times before. That word Christian is overrated. If you identify as a Christian, you could be a homosexual Christian. You could be a murdering Christian, a lying Christian, and it's okay. You might even be an atheist Christian. I was born a Christian. Well, Fijians do that. They're born Christian. I don't follow God. I don't really believe it, but I'm a Christian. If I have to say which faith I would be in, well, I guess I'd be a Christian. We were called first to be followers of Jesus. That changes everything now. So now if I ask you, are you a follower of Jesus? And you say yes, then you should start looking like the person you follow. You, sh- you should start talking like the person you follow. If you say you follow Jesus, it's in your best interest to be reading the Bible for yourself to do everything you can in your power to find out more what he's like so you can be like him. Because God is the truth. That's why more often than not, you'll hear Jesus quote this. You know, I tell you this, I cannot lie. I tell you the truth, he used to say. I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth because God is truth. Everything that comes out of his mouth is truth, whereas the enemy, Satan, we talked about this last week, is the father of the lies and deceit. It's his native language. So let me give you five keys to why truth, uh, sorry, six keys to why truth is important. I'll go real quick. Don't worry. Are you ready for this? Take the notes. God uses truth to, here we go, here's the list, number one, to sanctify, to sanctify you. John 17, verse 17 says, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. The Bible says in the book of John, chapter 1, In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Everything was created by the word. Jesus is the word. That's why when Satan came to him, we talked about this last week, and tried to use the very word of God against the word of God. (laughs) The guy's an idiot. I mean, why would you do that? Really? Really? Well, Jesus takes him to the top of the temple. The Bible says in Psalms that the angels won't let you strike your feet against the rock so you'd be hurt. So throw yourself off this building if you're the son of God and the angels will protect you. Jesus said, it is also written, because I wrote it, I wrote the book. (laughs) Do not put the Lord your God to the test. (laughs) Some of you guys need to study scripture and memorize it so you can shut the devil up. Some of you guys got the devil just speaking lies into your head. you believing this, stuff? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm a sinner. Oh, it's so bad. And You forgot. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on a second. The Bible says that I'm adopted into the kingdom, that the father, the creator of all the universe, is my father. I'm adopted as his son. I have inheritance as his son. And when you can memorize Scripture and speak it back to the devil, you'll shut him up like Jesus did. I would like to see the devil shut up. Some of you guys have just been giving in, and you've rolled over and played dead, and let him take over. Don't let him take over. Your circumstance does not dictate where you're at. Some of you, I failed the Lord. I No, no, you're just in a difficult season of your life. More often than not, God will throw you in that season to test the word in your heart. But you say to yourself, Oh, I'm just so lousy. No, you're not. Turn to the person as you say, You're not lousy. lousy. Turn to the other person, and say, He's not lousy. <laughs> I want you to write this down. Truth sets you apart for holiness, truth sets you apart for holiness. Let me tell you what the word sanctify means. It means to set apart or to declare as holy or sacred. I decided to go a bit deeper and see what uh, Strong's Concordance has to say about that original word. So the original root word of the word sanctify means to be pure, morally blameless. In other words, the word of God, truth, Jesus, has the power of to make you morally blameless. Some of you have done some horrible atrocities. You have really, don't look at the person next, just look at me, look at me, look at me. You've done some horrible atrocities. You've hurt a lot of people, and you feel that you're not good enough. You feel all that porn you've been seeing, you don't deserve to be called a child of God. You don't earn the right to be the child of God. He already called you his own. All you have to be is repentant, which means change your mind. I know that's bad for me, God. I don't want it anymore. Change me. Change me. That's what repentance looks like. See, a lot of people believe that repentance, repent and be saved, they believe it's you're sorry. It's not about being sorry. Someone could be sorry and choose to do it again and again and again. Don't be sorry. Repent. Turn to the person next to you. Tell them that. Don't be sorry. Repent. If that person next to you didn't say something, just tell them again. Don't be sorry. Repent. So let me put this together. In other words, the Word of God, truth, has the power to make you morally blameless. This is particularly good for those who have done a lot of sinning. Praise If you're wondering why some of us are just worshiping the Lord like there's no tomorrow, it's because we've done some big sins. (laughs) And we're like, oh, thank you, God. First start, these people think I'm holy and righteous. I mean, I am holy and righteous. But if you saw what I did, (laughs) it isn't the religiously pious people who gain entry into the kingdom. In, In fact, Jesus says this. Let me give you three Jesus pointed to three types of people who enter the kingdom. It was specifically not the Pharisees or the Sadducees or the teachers of the law. He says, You're trying to pour through scripture to find the truth, to find life. He says, I'm standing right in front of you. It's the person of Jesus where you find salvation. It is not through a person, it's not for what you do. Jesus said, here's what it looks like, the people who will be saved. He says, okay, let me write down three things so I can elaborate on it. Children, the poor, and sinners. He says they're the ones that get kingdom. They're the ones that enter. Children, the poor, and sinners. Let me break it down for you. For children, it's about having simple faith. Children don't know any better. If I raise my children and I told them that night is day, day is night, They would swear to you while you're telling them, look, it's daytime. No, it's not. It's nighttime because that's the reality. That's the truth. Simple faith. You know, Bible says if you have faith as small as a child, as as a mustard seed, you can say, uh, like a child, you can say to this mountain, get up, be thrown into the sea. It will be done for you. Imagine if children started doing that more and more often. They've got simple faith. Jesus said, I will do what they ask me to do. But some of you, you got too intellectual. You got too adultish. How is that supposed to work? I don't understand the physics of this. It shouldn't work like that. Children have no idea. If you tell them that's the way it is, that's the way it is. If the Bible says God cares for you, he cares for you. If the Bible says God provides for you, he provides for you. And yet you're thinking the lie. Oh, no, but what if he doesn't really want me to? What if that's a lie, the enemy? God is good. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you. Not to harm you to give you hope in a future, and the devil comes in like in the garden and said, "Did God really say?" <laughs> Matthew 19:14, just write that down. Matthew 19. So children is simple faith. Matthew 19:14. Jesus said, "Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these." So simple faith. The second one, the poor. That's desperate faith and you got nothing. Matthew 19, 23, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. It is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, it is easy for a poor man to enter the kingdom of heaven because they're desperate. Yeah. The rich people think, I don't need Jesus. Let me tell you right now. I, I was a pastor in, the, in Springfield Lakes. Loved it. It was good. But I would never dream of knocking on doors and preaching the gospel because a lot of those people think they got, how many people live in Springfield Lakes? Okay, I'm not sorry. Just put your hand down. Put your hand down. That's me too. Okay, that's me too. I, I also like, these people, they don't need Jesus. You know, everything's okay with me. Everything is good. Your marriage is falling apart. You're working so many hours. You don't even know the names of your children or their birthdays. You are so stressed out. Oh, no, but I can't preach to them because they feel, oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Look at where I live. I live in Springfield Lakes. Was Red Bank Plains people, can I hear a holler out from Red Bank Plains people? They are like, oh, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. <laughs> That's called desperate faith. Here's the third one. Sinners. How many sinners in the house of God? Oh, no, you're not. You're saved. Put your hands down. Put your hands down. I'm just kidding. I'm playing with you. I'm playing with you. Sinners is reluctant faith. Reluctant faith. Matthew 21, the last portion, verse 31, Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. Why? Because God can't lie. I tell you the truth the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. You pious, religious people, you think you got it all together. Some messed up ones that are getting into the kingdom ahead of you. Because they're like, okay. All right, I could use this. Yes, I, yeah, yeah, my marriage is breaking apart. Yeah, I have been sleeping around. You're right. Okay. Whereas the religious people, oh, no, I, I live a pious life. My marriage is perfect. My children are, we know you. We see your kids every week. We see what you put on Facebook. We know you're not okay. The common factor among these three types of faith is that they all embrace the truth. They're just sincere. This is who I am. But the pious and the religious, they're hypocrites. They've got to put this, this mask on to let people know. The word hypocrite basically means you're trying to deceive people to believe that you're something that you're not. We don't have religious people at Life City Church. There's no one people. We've got sinners. We've got the righteous. We just know how to repent. We know how to repent good, don't we, Lee? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> okay, second thing with truth. It will set you free. John 8, 32. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Uh, in fact, I-, I love this thing. I'll-, I'll write this down. Truth has the power to transform you, but it might may- make you mad at first when you get caught out. I I love this bubble that I live in sometimes, yeah, God is just so good, he's so wonderful, I shared this with you before, and I have no, I'm going to tell you, it's 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 real, this is, uh, I think it was July, early July, or June, it's recent, I uh, I say to the Lord, I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord, and I live my voice, beautiful, beautiful tones of Paul Parditis, I'm driving in the car, worshiping you, you're welcome, Brian Wareham. And, uh, and the Lord said to me, do you really love me? <laughs> That's, you ever had those old record players and it, and it scratches? Yeah, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. You don't love me. Yes, I do. I'm a pastor. <laughs> of course I love the Lord. How about that moment when you were at the Civic Center in Ipswich and you were watching your daughter dance she was doing ballet, by the way, on the on points. And you were, you know, I had to excuse myself because these girls are just so scantily clad. It's like this, R, you know, R-rated thing. I, I couldn't watch anymore. I, I said to my wife, do you mind if I just exit? Because she said, just go. So I went to the back, and I haven't exited in the middle of a performance before, but I went to the doors, and no one's there. There's no deacons, no ushers. So I'm thinking, do I, do I just walk out, or do I have to wait till the song's over? Love is patient. Love is kind. I wasn't patient. Ah, I'm just going to go. The moment I opened the door, the voice of Satan came up from the other side. Don't you dare open the door. Don't you know there's a performance going on? Then You'll wreck the performance of those kids that are on that stage. It's, It's a woman on the other side of the door. And with all the gusto of a man of God with great wisdom and love for Jesus, I said, well, I'm not coming back anyway. And I walked away. The Lord allows these things, okay? The Lord, don't you look at me and judge me. You know you've done the same thing. So I, I would not go back. I would not go back. I marched in my car. I got in the thing. I'm there in the Holy Spirit me. You told me you love me. I so I know. I love you, God. I'm going to start the car anyway. I'm just going to go. I did. I went. I know. It's horrible. I should have gone and apologized. I didn't. I was so angry with God for pointing that out. I just kept driving. I just drove anyway, And he would not let it go. You said you love me. Love is patient. Were you patient with that lady? <laughs> love is kind. Were you kind with that lady? How did you respond there? Oh, God. Truth has a power to transform you, but it may make you mad at first when you get caught out. For 30 minutes on that trip back home, I'm repenting before the Lord. I'm crying out. I'm so sorry, God. Let's keep it real. You can't be set free until you're first aware you're enslaved. The first step to solving a problem, they say, is becoming aware of it. In John 8 36, Jesus said, So if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. If you're wondering what free indeed means, why didn't he just say you'll be free? There's a difference. T.D. Jakes gives this great example. He says, and he didn't hear he heard it from someone else. He said that a, a slave could run away, and if, he, if he's successful, he's free. But for the, int- the rest of his life, he's going to be looking over his shoulder because someone's going to catch him and realize he's a runaway slave. Are you really free? Where someone whose freedom has been bought at a price, a price has been paid, is free indeed. They can go to sleep at night and know no one is chasing them. They are free. Are you free? Let me keep going. Number three, why the truth? What's the power of the truth? Because you can please God in worship. John 4, verse 23 to 24. Write that down. Please God in worship. John 4, 23 24 says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers, so you can have worshipers and you can have true worshipers. True worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Just stop there for a moment. Did you know that the Father is seeking true worshipers? He's looking for you. We want to establish a culture in this church where we are true worshipers. I know you've got your, you know, we have challenges in life and things that just beat us down, but don't. Let it keep you from worshiping the Lord. Some of the best worship is sacrificial worship. When you don't feel like it, you've dragged yourself out there. You know, I just want to honor Jade for a moment who, you know, had a, uh, you had a cold or a fever or whatever last night. And they're like, oh, we can't go to church. No, we're going to church. I'm going to church today. So don't go too, next, too near her or shake her hand. But that's worship. That's true worship. That's a kind of worshipers the a father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. And so we sing songs of praise to the Lord, some with heartfelt emotion and fervor, while others watch from a distance. Don't look at each other. Don't look at each other. You may be wondering why people are crying in worship, why they are laughing in worship, why are their hands surrendered in worship? What do they have that you don't? I can tell you, some can do worship good, but are far from God. While others have been so broken so many times, have sinned so many times, that they, then they can count that they know what a difference Jesus makes to their lives. And so they are absolutely surrendered. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, God. Here's the fourth one. Go on real, I'll go a bit quicker. The truth will protect you. Ephesians 6, verse 14, the Bible says, Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And he goes to talk about the armor of God. The armor of God is more than a nice fashion accessory for your wardrobe. It's needed. It's needed and required for protection in battle. Why? Because there's a battle going on for your life the moment you wake up to the time you go to sleep, there is a battle going on. The armor of God that Paul writes about provides more than that nice outfit. It's an impregnable defense against the enemy. You will need it to withstand the attacks and onslaughts of the enemy. So, why a belt of truth? Why was it described as a belt? Why? Because in the times of the Romans, the soldiers needed their belts for more than holding their pants up. The Nelson Study Bible says that the belt hung strips of leather to protect the lower body. Matthew Henry commentary suggests the belt secures all the other pieces of our armor. And most importantly, that belt is what kept the, the sword next to you. That's where you hung your sword. They didn't have a scabbard or a little extra belt. That was the belt for the sword. In other words, truth keeps the sword near you, the Word of God. It is a formidable weapon against the enemy. It will shut him up. We know the devil tried to tempt Jesus to do different things, but he always countered with the Word of God. It is written. Some of you have treated the Bible like it's a eh, its a nice thing to do, but you have not understood. It is a double-edged sword. That, that quote, double-edged sword, back in the day, they only had one edge. And it was a new invention to have double edges. You can cut from either side, not just one side. It now becomes absolutely dangerous to an enemy. The devil, you need to understand this and listen in closely. The devil must operate within the confines of the word of God. It is not just a truth for you, but he must abide by the same truth you do. And that's why when you understand the word, you can actually shut it. Him down and shut him up for good. It's interesting that truth is a first part of the armor of God mentioned. If you study the Bible at all in Bible College, it'll tell you the law of first mention is important. What's mentioned first is more important than what's mentioned second, more important down the line, third, and so forth. It's not a mistake. You see, if our truth is distorted we open ourselves up to the lies of the enemy and the enticements the world has to offer. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I printed out Life Journal reading plans. If you don't have a Bible reading plan that will be available straight after the service, if you're not on a plan now, get yourself into one. Robert Madu, he says that truth is the cover that we stand under. Think about this. Look at this picture here that I'm going to give you. This umbrella is like truth. As long as you've got the umbrella, the lies of the enemy that fall just come off that truth umbrella. See that word understand? means to stand under, I stand under the truth, I live by the truth, there are fiery darts of the enemy, there's lies and deceit being thrown all around you, but when we stand under the umbrella of truth, we understand, you can hold that umbrella up to a brother or to a sister to help them to understand the truth, that's why we need each other, Well, we so try to live alone. We try to do life by ourselves because that's how Aussies do it. Maybe we should change and not have the culture of Australia or New Zealand or Tonga or Samoa, but have a culture of the kingdom. We're kingdom kids. Let me go real quick. Number five, the truth will help you draw near to God. Psalm 145 verse 18. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. God is not interested in your lip service. He's interested in the heart. How can you ask God for help when you're living a lie? Oh, God, will you do this for me? But you're living in rebellion. How can I answer your prayer? I can answer. I want to, but you're not under the auspices of the kingdom. You're an outlaw. You've broken the law. You're outside of the kingdom. How can I answer your prayer? I can't. I can only answer the prayer in the kingdom when you're in. And that's the choice you make. Last one, number six. The truth will help you become like Jesus. John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh. And dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. The glory is of this only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Truth will change you. Write this down. Truth will change you one deception at a time until you begin to look, talk, and act more like Jesus. Let me give that to you one more time. Truth will change you one deception at a time Until you begin to look, talk, and act more like Jesus. Since the time first sin came into the world, we have been continually trying to cover up so God can't see us in our sin. Adam and Eve recognized their their sin, that they were naked, and God had to clothe them. They tried to clothe themselves with leaves, and God had to kill an animal to cover them. That's what sin's about. You need the covering, the shedding of blood to cover your sin. Notice that Jesus was not all about truth, but it was also grace. Truth, he spoke to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you brood of vipers. That's truth. But to a woman caught in adultery, he says, woman, where are you accusers? They're all gone. Neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. Grace. Truth and grace must walk hand in hand together.
0: Thank you for joining Life City Church, and we hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. If this ministry has made an impact on your life, we'd love to hear from you. Please drop us a line and share your story at thanks at livecitychurch.com or email us your prayer needs at prayer at livecitychurch.com We'd love to connect with you and hear more about your story. If you love the ministry of Live City Church, you can make a financial gift to help us spread the good news of Jesus by going to livecitychurch.com and clicking the giving tab. We hope today's message has spoken into your life and look forward to your next visit.